0: Need some motivation on your Chinese business endeavour? May be curious about what the Chinese business environment is all about? Or want to laugh out loud listening to war stories on the ground in China? Then this is your show, China Business Cast.
1: So thank you everyone for tuning in. China Business Cast number 41 here. How are you doing, Shlomo? Hey, how are you doing? Great. So I am saying hello here from my balcony in barcelona so it's uh it's great to uh be able to do this podcast while i'm over in europe on the road and uh you, Mike,
0: you're so near
1: yeah we're, we get we can almost give high fives i'm in israel guys <laughs>
0: yeah we can
1: do that. high five <laughs> at least it's been easier for the time zones right so or, oh, definitely cool and you you've been busy too right yeah
0: i met you in hong kong uh, about two three weeks ago which was great oh. And just came back to Israel to move to a new house, so this is what i 've been doing in the last week or so dealing with that uh, moving stuff almost everything is there. We still need to buy some stuff, and then we 'll officially be moving there so bear with me if i 'm if i 'm talking about this again um, i 'll try not to <laughs>
1: it is it is a <laughs> It is a big deal and and stressful i think i always I always joke like when i 've moved a few times since i 've been married and I just realized now I don't know about you, but as a as a man of the house, I feel like I'm the lower priority, and my stuff is just tossed in boxes, and i I don't even know where my stuff is, and it's very stressful, so i I can feel your pain, yeah, <laughs> I think it's now I'm dealing with it I'm fine, yeah, cool, and I have some announcements, yeah, let's go
0: with the announcements, so guys, we also have a very special announcement, just like we said at the previous episode, we have a new WeChat group for business we're very about this because this helps us communicate and being engaged with the community with our listeners the purpose of this group is for the community to discuss the topics that we have on the show as well as and that's more important asking questions that you're interested in to ask our guests so we will announce the recordings for those and we'll give tell about who we're going to speak with and and what the person does and then you can jump in ask your questions and we're going to ask them for you
1: cool all right sounds exciting
0: yeah and that's been going on for a about two or three weeks now Uh, we got over 45 members now and uh, people continue joining so we're very happy about that so join in. Oh, and we will have a QR code at the website, so you can just scan and join yourself. That will be on the website. We're going to add it also at the show notes. So that's very easy to do. Scan it with your chat. Cool. And I'd like to uh, introduce our guest today. Our guest is Nick Ramil from IO Accelerator in Hong Kong. What was awesome about this interview is that we did, it was the first time that we did it in person. It was me and Mike and Nick in the same room. It felt very special to do it. It was it was very nice. And uh, Nick Nick is an awesome guy. Uh, you can learn about a Hong Kong startup scene and what Brink IO does for the community and their different things. Uh, that was a really in, uh, interesting one. Shall we jump in?
1: Yeah, let's get into this one. It's great. Okay, everybody, welcome to China Business Cast. We are here in person, in the flesh, with Shlomo.
0: Hey guys, how are you doing?
1: Yeah, so normally we do this all remotely, but we're here in person at the RISE conference and we're at the BRINK uh IO with Nick.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Super stoked to be on this. Yeah,
1: yeah. So it's great to get all these great minds together. And uh do you mind introducing yourself to our listeners?
2: Yeah, no, not at all. My name is Nick Ramil. I am a founding team member and the head of validation at Brink, which is an IoT platform. We take consumer IoT products from concept through to commercialization. And the idea behind it is we support great founders to do awesome things every step of the way. Cool. And since Shlomo did bring it up, it's, it's just a funny side note, but
1: we're at PMQ, which, which is a really trendy, cool place right in central Hong Kong. You, you were just giving us a little background about it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So PMQ is the police married headquarters, or was formerly. Uh, now it is the uh, design, creative, and because of Brink, technology center of Hong Kong. Uh, different initials now? Uh, still still PMQ, but uh, different focuses. And yeah, Brink, we have the whole top floor in block A. Anyone interested in technology, hardware, IoT, please follow up with me, follow up with these guys. Stop by for a visit. Would love to give you a tour.
0: Okay, Nick. So I got to know you through the elevator life and enter China community. Back in the, day. yeah. Back in the days. I think that was like, I don't know three years ago yeah okay so we're all somehow at those same hubs so we started with the elevator live and with enter china and these were more of a, you know sourcing manufacturing kind of community then uh, we're talking about going more of the digital world launching stuff on the kickstarter the watches and uh here we are at brink so so how is this whole thing transitioning for you
2: Man, it has been a pretty wild journey. Uh, I think everybody's smirking right now because everyone's had a wild journey if you're doing business in China. So really, I mean, pretty exciting news right off the bat about the elevator life and into China is Michelini, who, who's running this podcast, who's supporting it. Uh, he's now involved with these businesses directly. So super excited to you know be able to drive that community growth now that. Tim and myself are no longer have the bandwidth to be part of it. But reality is the transition was I met the other founding team members at Brink and I just knew it was an opportunity I had to get involved with. Out of the four founding team members, I'm definitely the youngest, had built the smallest business in comparison, had the least experience. And I just saw them as an incredible group of people that I could join and what I really liked, I, I suppose what was most important for me was why I loved Enter China was I was able to support entrepreneurs and founders uh, to develop their business. And for me, that's what I get to do every day at Brink is support new founders, new startups pursuing their dreams, pursuing success. And uh, that to me never never gets old. It, it's definitely stressful and, and, and uh, high energy and you have your your peaks and your valleys. But it's what I love doing, so I couldn't imagine myself doing anything else and getting to build it from the ground up to to where it is today and where we'll go is super exciting. Yeah, Nick,
1: I'm also excited. I'll, I'll try my best to keep Enerchina going uh, going strong like you. you, will, you, will. you get it. <laughs> and also shout out to Luke and uh, Rico listening, I'm sure uh they're also on the team to continue on with the Enerchina community. So it's really great. But yeah, I mean, so similar here, you know, you, you, you love building communities, working with entrepreneurs, like you mentioned in startups. So how, how has it been so far with, with Brink? Like how many, how many batches or cohorts now?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So what we did learn, batches don't work (laughs) Um, for our, for our model, uh, at least for what we're doing. Uh, We have an extremely hands-on approach at Brink. So we don't have the typical three to six month lifespan that you'll have with general accelerators to say, but you're more part of the Brink family and you're here until you reach certain, I suppose, certain metrics. And one of those metrics for us is 10,000 units shipped. And that we believe getting to that amount of units, you will be able to, you've passed over a lot of the speed bumps that maybe derail a lot of start io hardware startups when they're learning to scale and grow, right? Because manufacturing, when you're doing your first 500, 1,000, 2,000 units, quality controls not doing too well. You know, at DFM, you're still trying to figure, design for manufacturing, you're still trying to figure out logistics, payment terms, all that stuff. And once you breach that 10,000 units, we feel that you've gotten past a lot of i mean you're still going to have problems i mean we still have problems on a regular basis you know you're still learning lessons rather but you know it is the reality is you've gotten over the major problems that could derail you and yeah when it comes to working with uh, our investments so far we have 12 investments in the past 18 months we're looking to do another 10 to 15 this year and really build up our infrastructure and systems and structures here at brink uh, and then Expand outwards. So,
0: you're t- we're talking about the teams, but from your experience, what are the biggest challenges or mistakes that they're doing? I, obviously, you made mistakes. You probably done waves or
2: or or, or these kind of stuff, and still, now you moved still, out. Yeah, yeah, still still making mistakes on a on a daily basis here. Uh, but that's that's how you learn and you grow. And for me, I would say I would have to focus on. I think we all know this too as entrepreneurs starting out, trying to do too many things at once. A lot of the founders we work with or a lot of teams we even look at, they're trying to be the best at multiple things or be great and, and solve multiple problems. While, while you can do that through features and the way you position your product with your target audience, we believe, you know, you have to be the authority at one thing and do that extremely well and figure out how to be great at solving that one problem for that one customer before expanding your reach you know to look into like other target market audiences if you will or to look for other customers it's really as an entrepreneur you always want to do more right and you always want to pursue new ventures and you want to get involved with you know you see a new problem and you want to solve it but it's like the uh, entrepreneur a aid- ADD, if you were, where it's like, let's, let's focus and and do this one thing. You have to do, be able to do one thing great before you can do many things great.
0: Can you give an example from one of your teams? Perhaps something specific.
2: Yeah, absolutely. One of our investments won't say by name, but I can tell you they are a very niche product for a specific audience and their tech cannot actually has five to six verticals. They, you know, you could use it six to seven different audiences could use it, but there is one primary audience and the second to sixth audience didn't even make up, you know, half of what that first audience was. But when they started, they wanted to be the problem solver for all these different verticals. When it was like, Hey, you know, let's step back and focus on solving this problem for this one target market audience and crush it. And, And that's exactly what they've done. And this primary audience of theirs has really taken to the product. And the amount of growth we've seen based off their primary audience, rather than going after their secondary, tertiary, so on and so forth audience, has you know, rewarded them really well and they've grown and they've scaled and they've become the authority product in this niche. But that wouldn't have been the case if they were going after five or six audiences at once. So they, they focused on one audience and they smashed it out of the
1: park. Cool. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think we're all guilty as entrepreneurs of having a lot of ideas and we've all been through that where we, we want to do a lot of things. And so you're kind of giving, I don't know if you can reveal names, but maybe some some of your investments or products that you are currently deal with or have dealt with. Maybe give some people some ideas.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Always, always happy to promote the teams. Our very first founder, founder number one, would be Florian, and he is a CEO and co-founder of Soundbrenner. So, Soundbrenner is a smart vibrating metronome, and a metronome obviously helps you helps you stay on beat if you're a musician. But it has a really intrusive noise that that keeps you on beat. Or it has a very, it's very bothersome. It's very annoying, right? And what they've done is they've made it now a vibration. So it's silent and you can legitimately feel the rhythm rather than have to listen to it on top of the music you're playing. And, you know, I had no idea this was such a problem for musicians. I'm not a musician, but when you start seeing, I believe they won the number one award for new wearable at HKTDC, the trade show here. Uh, they won best new music, uh, accessory at NAM, which is the largest music trade show in the world. And they've really just scaled up their production. And they've also signed a deal with the number one music retailer in the US, uh, to be in all the retail shops. And they'll be announcing that deal, uh, next month or June. And what is just super exciting is, you know, to see he came to us with like a backpack of components you know, like a, a bunch of pieces and a drawing and this vision and to be able to see 18 months later, he's, you know, passed more than 10,000 units in purchase orders. And he's now shipping globally, signing distribution deals. It, it makes us really happy to see, wow, you know, if we're able to support a founder in, in a year and a half to scale this much, it makes us really excited for what we can do as our team scales also.
0: So I guess the teams that or the problems that you're trying to solve with these kind of projects would be sometimes very niche, like you said. Yep. Musicians and I saw some things on your website for surfers. Yep. So it's kind of those audiences, like very specific. Which kind of deals you won't really get into? Is that certain stages? Is that like two big audiences? What's What's the thing?
2: Yeah, for us of course we like a, a focused target market. It is really, we are B2C focused, so we're consumer IoT focused. We won't get involved in too many business-to-business IoT deals. Of course, those are massive and huge as well, but Brink itself has to focus, right? So that's why we're focusing on consumer IoT. And we do believe in... you know, We do want mass appeal, but at the same time, we want to be able to focus on that specific audience, right? Because at the end of the day, you aim small, miss small, right? But if... You know, we've had teams come to us and they've pitched, you know, their positioning statement has been my product is for everyone. And we're, you know, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, nice, you know, gr- you know, uh, ambitious, but I, I definitely, your product may be for everyone, but that's not where you start. Right.
0: But sometimes your job is to focus these guys, just
2: like you mentioned before. Exactly. So they, they come and we give them the feedback and, you know, they can accept the feedback or they can go on their own. It's really the biggest thing we've realized is it's all about the founder and the relationship. You, you know, we are vested in these startups for right? <laughs> you know, until, uh, until there's a liquidity event, until they exit, what, whatever it is. And, we have to make sure that the founders and us align on the vision of what we want to achieve and what they want to achieve. And as long as we're aligned on that, then, you know, there's definitely going to be speed bumps. But as long as the relationship is strong and we believe in the founders and they believe in us, then we're able to drive it forward really normally pretty well. Cool.
1: Yeah. All, all one big family, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Frank family. So we're, yeah, we're, like we said, we're here in Hong Kong right now recording this and it's an awesome, awesome place. I mean, I you don't got to sell me, but, uh, I'm sure there are some listeners maybe wondering why Hong Kong and, you know, is it as a hub for, for Brink and, and for, for what you're working on? So maybe you can sell it a little bit.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I will preface this comment or <laughs> then, then say that Hong Kong is, is my favorite city in the world. I absolutely love it here for, I mean, a whole gamut of reasons, but right off the bat, I would just say if, if you're in hardware or if you're in IOT, then you have to make a trip to Asia, right? You have to make a trip to China, more specifically for manufacturing. We've all lived in China. We, you know, the the quality of life there is good, but for a lot of our founders who maybe don't speak Chinese or aren't familiar with the life there, moving immediately to mainland China—that actually, as most of us did—you uh, know—is not a is not the. I think we can all agree it's not the easiest thing, and. <laughs> Many of our teams are from Europe, North America, Middle East, and this is a very good jump off point for them. Uh the quality of life here, the international workforce, um, the expat communities, what's available. Uh one of our teams, Kello. So they're building the first alarm clock, uh, you'll want to hear as how they position it. Um, no, that's Ruggy. That's another that's an enter China member actually. Winston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he he did an incredible job. He's a tech product and a, hopefully he'll be moving into IOT and that will be a conversation we'll be having shortly. Okay. Uh, but Kello is the, the first alarm clock you're going to want to hear. The entire team's from Paris and they've relocated to Hong Kong. And I think, you know, Soundbrenner from Germany, they relocated to Hong Kong. You know, Glassy Pro, our team from Spain, they spend time between Hong Kong and Spain. They go back and forth. And I, I think it, no, I think I know. You can really experience the quality of life here. And more importantly, you know, you, Mike knows this very well about incorporating a business here is a very strategic play for the long term. And ultimately, when you're looking at manufacturing and getting involved in your hardware, that's going to be in Shenzhen, hands down. Once you're at scale, you know, once in that uh, 10,000 or more units, you need to start thinking about manufacturing in Southern China and our teams are able to leave to, I mean, me yesterday, I went to Southern China in the morning, came back in the evening and it's easy peasy, right? But, you know, being able to, have to make those flights across from the U.S. or from wherever you are in the world is is not easy. I mean, you, you, you took a long journey here, right? It's it's hard to do that multiple times.
0: And Mike does this Hong Kong Shenzhen thing, I think, uh, two times a week or maybe more. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm exhausted. There's actually somebody (laughs) trying
1: to get me to come back on Thursday in a couple of days. And I am trying my
0: best. Mike is a world traveler.
2: Yeah,
0: back and forth. (laughs) Back and forth. So you, you know, you spoke about all these startups and teams. Tell us about tough decisions you had to make between two good ones.
2: All right. Yeah, this is, that's a great question. Uh, Honestly speaking, there what's most important for us is transparency. We have had to look at a lot of deals that are competitors or in the same verticals and learning by experience that full transparency to the founders and the startups themselves that you know you are looking at competitors or we're we're looking at something in a similar space is the most important. Yeah, you know, the worst thing to do is surprise people. Right. So Having to make a choice between two startups, or having to make a choice between who to invest into, is again it, it comes down to being as objective as possible, which is really hard. But you have to think about the market opportunity. You have to think the scalability. All founders are great people. I mean, you know they're all trying to pursue and chase their dream and, and build their successful business. But at the same time, you have to go with your gut. On these are resources I'm also investing. I'm investing capital. You know, time, space, so is the entire team. So although, you know, we get along with everybody and we believe in leaving everybody better than we found them is, is our motto here, right? One of them, you still have to, at the end of the day, it's business is thinking with your brain and, and being able to make those decision, non-emotional business decisions. And those those are never easy, but necessary. And hopefully um, investments you've had to leave or we, you know, we maybe didn't come to terms. We always let them know they can come back. You know, maybe they need to mature a little bit. Maybe they need to think about their business model some more, maybe do some more validation in their market, but our door is always open. It's never locked shut, right? It may say come back later, but if they, we've had teams come back and they've improved and then, all right, let's figure out how to move forward.
1: Yeah. Transparency, right? Is always. Is always the right way, and yeah. yeah. that's you know just with this podcast and online marketing and content. I think it's it's getting harder to hide anyway, anywhere. <laughs> People can find every your life is online, or at least our our lives are online. So uh, I don't want to get some secret your secret formula, but do you have some maybe bullet points or tips of what startups that are maybe trying to get into your program should maybe look. Try to cover before they apply, or, or your process.
2: Yeah, so we have an extremely strict diligence process. I'd say again, it's because we are tied in with these founders and startups for the long term. Right, this isn't a quick three-six month program. Our teams actually, after they graduate, they never really leave. Actually, they they move to the floor below us, and you know, they, we still have meetings with them on a regular yeah. basis. Yeah. When it comes to our program, I mean everybody has to apply online because we have. That's how we, you know, track our KPIs and our measures. But most importantly, is actually Hillary, our head of program, uh, just did a workshop on this today at Rise. Is the their pitch deck is extremely important. Right, uh again, seeing the when someone sends you a pitch deck or someone sends you an offer or someone sends you a, a resume, right, you can see how much thought they did or did not put into it, and we're looking at data points we're looking at design, we're looking at the renderings, the images, like is it well positioned how's the messaging, or is this something that they just threw together and kind of threw to us as a oh, let's see what happens right A, a lot of the teams we see with quality. The thing that catches our eye first, because normally they will have to answer, you know, diligence questions and send a pitch deck, is something that would impress us. Something that, you know, they're, they're proud. They're proud to share it with you, and I think that's very clear when you look at people's work. Uh, and I think it's the same for any of us for the work we do. Like I'm proud to promote or share what I do because I genuinely believe in it, same as you guys. But if you look at some of the startups who reach out to us, and it seems like it was kind of just thrown together overnight. And they're saying, oh, this is an idea. It just shows that the thought and energy hasn't gone into it that others have. So I would definitely say, think about the perception you're putting off with the material you send before you send it.
0: So after you apply, what's how the program works? Like what makes a person in the program for how long? Or, I I mean, you mentioned the 10,000 pieces for shipping out for leaving the program, but what's going on here?
2: Yeah. So the program here, uh, you know, say we move past diligence and then we move into, you know, negotiations and we sign the LOI and the term sheets. After that, then, you know, there's normally plus minus a 12 month program. Again, we won't, it's all about seeing progress. It's not, you have 12 months to complete this. And if not, you know, get out. It's, Hey, This is our roadmap. This is our journey. Granted, you you may have to pivot your product. Granted, manufacturing may get delayed, or you know, we realized after doing some user testing, we have to change functionality. That's fine. That may add on a few months, but as long as we're seeing the progress of the team and they're maturing and growing, then then we're okay with that. Uh, Ideally, what happens is we'll be at the front end of the program here, so they'll go through the customer discovery. Really figuring out who our customers are, how to engage with them, where they're spending their time online, etc. You know, defining your personas, and then we actually go through customer development and start. Finding them and engaging with them and you know putting them in the funnels and doing user testing with looks like, feels like prototypes and eventually looks like works like prototypes and getting real user feedback. And after we've realized we've made a product that we actually have customers for, uh that, you know, we've we've validated there's a customer base and interest for this. Then it comes to launch. After you launch, you go into manufacturing, and then after manufacturing, it's time to start, you know, it's great to do pre-sales. It's great to do crowdfunding, get a couple thousand units. But the reality is getting the large purchase orders from distributors and retailers globally. That's, that's how these companies grow and scale. So that ideally we can do, you know, in, we can get them to the manufacturing stage in about 12 months. And then it's time to push, to push them there.
1: Cool. Well, thanks, Nick. I, I know it's a really busy time for you with the rise conference and I see some tequila bottles
2: outside. <laughs> tequila things. Our event is about to, uh, gosh happen in just a few minutes.
1: (laughs) Literally, literally, we're not, we're making it, we're not making this up. But so for those that are, I'm sure there's a lot of people interested in in learning more and you already mentioned maybe visiting, how how can they contact you or or Brink?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Getting in touch with us is the best Uh, info at Brink. Of course, uh, we have a contact us page and we we love walk-in visits. It it kills our efficiency, (laughs) but uh, we, you know, we love showing people around the space. We're really proud of it. And when it comes to contacting me, uh, Twitter, Facebook, either of those, you know, feel free to get in touch with me there. Inbox is pretty stuffed. Uh, not a, not a big email guy, but you know, if you reach out to me directly, put an interesting email headline. I will share that tip, uh, after the elevator life, after I enter China and, and now here, the amount of emails is insane. So yeah, if you, if you write something interesting that grabs my attention, I'll click that. I will, I'll, I admit, I know, I know you're doing it, but I'll click it because <laughs> I, I admire the fact that you've done it. So yeah, that's, that's also another way, but always happy to try and share more about what we're up to here in Hong Kong. And of course, Eprink, maybe the subject can be like any more tequila at, at the, uh, at the office. <laughs> I, w- I would open that. I would definitely open that.
1: Okay, guys. Let's uh,
2: have some tequilas. Nick, great having you. Thanks for that. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, guys. All right, cool.
0: Doing business in China is a complex world. You can quickly feel alone and lost in its maze. But don't worry, China Businesscast is here for you. Sign up for our newsletter and regular updates on our website at
1: www.chinabusinesscast.com. Thanks for tuning in.